This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 142 of the Stacey West podcast. I am Ben as ever. Gaz is with me. How you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm actually just sending a text message. Um, <laughs> sorry, what a fucking surprise. <laughs> so, no, well, I'm actually replying to Jake at the club. Um, and, you know, I'm very well because there's a reason that we're out at quarter past nine, isn't there, this morning? So, yeah, know, absolutely is. I mean, you know, no time like the present to, to, to get into it. Um, you may have seen on social media before you got this download. In fact, you probably will have seen because, you know, some, nobody's going to get this bang on quarter past nine. But um, the club, well, I'll, I'll let Gary do the uh, do the talking because it's, uh, you know, it's Gary's site. Uh, yeah, well, the club have released a new third shirt. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's our podcast, um, but <laughs> Stacey West are part of an initiative to launch the third kit early. Um, it's described as a fans shirt. It's a thank you uh, to the fans who were able to um, put either part of or all of last year's season ticket money back into the club via um, the raffle and the money can't buy experiences. So it's a, uh, the third shirt's been released. Uh, and it's got all the fans' names in it. Um, so myself, along with some other fans groups, have been part of that release. And, and we've brought the podcast early forward. We've released it earlier for your listening pleasure or on displeasure, depending on how you feel about us. Um, and yeah, so the shirt's come out. It's modelled on the 2002-2003 away shirt, which we wore at our first ever appearance a, a national final when we were in the playoffs the result we will forget uh, i prefer it i prefer to think that it's modeled on the shirt in which simon yeo scored a last minute winner against scunthorpe at glumford park to Absolutely. give us a 6-3 win so yes it, it, i haven't seen one as yet we've only got the the, the, the release pictures um mm. but what i'm happy with ben is i was really nervous about how the names were going to look in the shirt i, I don't know if you mm. recall we did a shirt back in 2009 yeah the green one the green one and it had names on it and every time i look at it now i think oh it looks like a big advert yeah um, and I, I was really worried that this one was going to look like that without seeing it in my hand i can't say what this looks like but from the pictures actually the names look very subtle but you can see them yeah. um and it, it looks fairly it looks a little bit like almost like a retro shirt doesn't it yeah it does i mean I, i've um you know you very kindly forwarded me the uh the photos just before we started recording so uh you weren't going well i can see it and you can't but um Don't no it's it <laughs> it looks really really nice and you, you know you obviously get that immediate impact of it being you know like you say the the shirt that simon yeo scored against scunthorpe in um but then uh, I think the images will be um, the images are going to be circulating by the time you listen to this. And I think there will be a video a little bit further down the line as well. But half nine, half nine, the video is dropping. So it's probably already dropped. I mean, all, you know, yeah. all of that's probably been seen. Yeah. But I mean, you, you look at it and um, you kind of the, the close up of the badge in particular. I mean, I know the club teased it the other day. Um, I'm not sure if this is the same photo or not, but 
I mean, you, when you say that it's it's subtle that the names are there, I think they've done it really well. Um, you've got that kind of orangey colour that that blends in from a distance, but when you look closely at it, it uh, it kind of reveals all of the names of the uh, the people that, you know, like you said, left the left the money in the club um, last year. Um, but the thing that I I really really like about this, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the retro shirts that the club have been putting out anyway. Um, I know that, that you know we, there are some people that are, you know will have different opinions on them, and I know that um, you well we we spoke just off air the the new um, away retro shirt that I'm actually wearing at, the, at this moment in time uh, it doesn't have the sponsor on it, which is one of those where it, it might take away a little bit from from the kind of authenticity of it, I guess. Yeah, it's not for me, that one. Yeah, but I mean, you know, this one, instead of having the little Imp Sport logos down the sleeve, um, we've now got the Array logos down the sleeve. So it it does have that retro feel to it. Um, But it's got that, you know, it's obviously like a modern shirt that is going to be worn during the season. And I I think it's absolutely fantastic. They've they've smashed it with the design. you know, nice and simple, yellow and black, uh, with the white trim um, and the, the black sponsor to to make it stand out. Um, I, I can't my, wait to get my hands on one, to be honest. Yeah, my I, I have just two concerns, and when I say that, because yeah, I don't want to review it. We're not reviewing a shirt because we're not fashion easters. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I know what I like in a football shirt. I know what I don't like, and all I'd say is I need to have it in my hands first of all to make a really honest assessment. Uh, I don't know about the collar. I, I'm kind of looking at the pictures that we've got, and I'm just not quite sure about that collar at the moment, but we'll see when it comes. Um, and obviously, I think when you're wearing it and you can see the names, it might feel different to when the team are wearing it and they're in action. Uh, but I, I think whatever the design, I just think it's a really nice touch to have the names put on the shirt. Mm-hmm. And I think it will be relatively popular. I think yellow shirts are always quite difficult to market because you know, so many clubs have yellow away shirts. And I think we've tried to do so much different with our third kits. And you can argue until you're blue in the face about whether we, we should really have a third kit or not. My my gut feeling is is perhaps sometimes it's, it's a little bit rinsy. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. Um, I mean, if you think over the la- every season for the last couple of years, we've had two retro shirts, a home shirt, an away shirt, and a, a third shirt. So we've had 15 shirts in three seasons, which is an awful lot, um, especially if you know somebody like Little Benjamin wants to buy every single one of them. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, that's that, the reason my wardrobe's full at the minute. Yeah, it's just a name I've pulled out of the air. I, I, yeah, no, <laughs> no, doesn't bear any characters in this book. is is entirely coincidental. Um, so do you know what I mean? But I I get this one. Yeah, I I get this third kit. I think last year I liked the third kit. It was very popular, but I didn't get it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, we, we go away in oh, I can't remember what the color of the bloody away kit was black. Yeah. So you know, if the team that we're playing play in red, fair enough. We play in black. If they don't play in red, we should play in red. And for me, the green kit was just I I get that it's a commercial thing. Yeah. I'm not entirely down with the third kit idea um but i like the concept and i think sometimes kit concepts are as important as the kit if it's done in the right way and if it's you know the way that they're releasing it through the through the fans and 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 that sort of thing i think is nice so and look there's only so much we can talk about because you know you'll football kits are like art aren't they they're the beauties in the eye of the beholder and you know, a lot of people like the splash paint blue away kit we, uh, that we've got this season and and that's not for me and i know if there was one or two people at the club who thought it's daring you know it's a it's on a precipice people love it or hate it and people seemed you know a lot of people are massively into it so yeah it's all about beauties in the eye of the holder but i will get this kit because it's got my name on it <laughs> no absolutely i mean you know i i I am a you know professed fan of the away kit. I think it's it, it, I I like kits that do something different. Um, I like you know to I, I think it's a, a bit of a bold um, a bold move. And I know that you know having spoken to a couple of folks, it it was like you say one of those ones where they were like, oh, is it going to go? You know, which way is it going to go? Are they going to like it? Are they going to hate it? And fortunately, it seems like it's gone down well with with most people. Um, yeah. I did all, my favorite just two things before we, we kind of move on if you're right my favorite kit that we've done over the last few years 
was the limited edition third kit that we only wore once away at Sunderland. Yeah. You know, the blue one with the Lincolnshire flag colours on, on it. Yeah. That was a beautiful shirt. Low quality. I think a lot of people washed it and they got snagged straight away. And I, I think I've worn it once, but it's just one of those shirts. Every so often one comes along that's not red and white. And I just think, God, I like that because it, the danger with a blue shirt is you go away and people go, well, they look like Chesterfield or they look like, you know, Stockport. Then, well, they're two teams. Obviously, we, you don't look like now because you don't know what they look like because <laughs> they play Filey every week. But you know what I mean? It's yeah. that kind of they look like Rochdale. And that shirt, that third shirt was one that you look at it and you knew it was still Lincoln. It still had the Lincoln flavour. And people don't know this. There was no official announcement. But as I understand it, there is a project being worked on with Fans for Diversity. I don't know if you look around. There's quite a lot of Fans for Diversity kits coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'm able to say anything, actually. But I, Lisa uh, and have been working on the shirt like that and a project I think is is close to fruition where there will be another shirt that little Benjamin can buy. Um, <laughs> and let me tell you, if it go, if it's the one, if it goes how I think it is, it's going to be a beaut and it's a shame that it's not an official club shirt. Yeah. Um, I, I am, I am aware of that one. Um, have you seen it? Uh, I'm, here you go, here you go, folks. This is, uh, you know, something you is can't... happening in action. I'm just sending you a WhatsApp message. Um, okay. But uh, yes, I, I have seen the kit and I have um, I have had some input on the kit, which is, uh, yeah, it's uh, hopefully you'll you'll get that shortly. Okay. Well, if you've had input on it, then I can admit that I was part of the working group with um, Mandy and Danny Nez. Uh, to come up with a design and i have seen it in the flesh as well and it yeah. is i'll be honest it's a beaut it's an absolute beaut and it's a, a shame that it isn't a real uh club kit yeah. but, but there we go we've talked kits we're 20 odd minutes in i think um <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. look um where are we how far along in are we but yes i really like that kit we're 10 minutes in um so you know the, the time is obviously going slowly for you guys um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um yeah new kit uh i presume it will be on sale at the ground on saturday um i would hope it is because that's when i'm wanting to buy it um but anyway yeah let's let's move on um we're gonna we're gonna start with with Tuesday because we can get it out of the way. That's uh, not why we're starting with it, is it? Not really. We're starting with Tuesday, aren't we? Because otherwise, we 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 move towards the end of the program on a on a massive downer. And actually, we want to start with Tuesday and then move on to Saturday to lift your mood ahead of Plymouth. Stop giving away it. the production secrets, Gary. Well, the thing is, otherwise they might go. Well, why are the knobheads starting on Tuesday and then going backwards? But that's why. Yeah, all right. There Look, we go. I had a good idea. I want to share it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, it was crap, wasn't it? Oh, God, it was, it was poor. It was poor. And I think as the days have passed, I've, I've got over it a little bit. Do you know what? It's the first time I went to bed absolutely seething in a long, long while. Um, and I felt I woke up in the morning and I thought it'll feel a bit better. And I thought... Oh, we've lost to Morecambe and, and I don't mean that disrespectfully but last season when when you're going away and you're winning at Portsmouth and you're playing Sunderland in cup semi-finals and playoff semi-finals and you're going to Wembley and you know one game from the Premier uh, from the Championship and you're talking about maybe playing Forest and Derby and then you lose 2-0 to Morecambe and it was a little bit like kind of the ghost of Christmas past coming to, to haunt you wasn't it you think mm. oh, I thought we were better than that and and you know Morecambe they beat us but i'm going to be honest they weren't brilliant and and we'll look at i'll look at the match stats in a minute um but i may as well get straight into it because yeah we can break down what happened uh nothing really in the game it was a nothing it was a nothing game the best chance of the game fell to us uh their goal their first goal was 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 out of the blue their second goal was just it was just woeful defending we we still had better chances and i'm going to start with we don't like scapegoats no. and Michael almost made one and he didn't because he didn't blame the entire result on it. But he said Hakeem was poor and a lot of people kind of came out and said, well, I thought he was doing really well. And I, I decided to look at the stats and I, I, I had to share this stat. I had to. Um, so I look at passing and pass accuracy because the, the, the 
the thought was that Lincoln City passed very, very badly the other night. Our passing was way off. That was what people said. Um, we actually had one player on the field who made 98.5% accurate passes. So of his passes, 98% went to some went to feet. He was Who's also the, he was also the player that played the most passes as well. Over an, an average of 90 minutes, he played I think it was 67 passes. Okay, was t- I'm, I was going to say I'm. I'm good. Well, just heard the first syllable of yeah, who it yeah, was. Yeah. I was going to say I was. I, I was going to possibly say with given the most passes start, I was going to have a guess at Bridders, but no. No, it's TJ Aoma. Mm. Um, he played the most forward passes. You kind of expect that because he's a defender. Yeah. Um, but his forward pass accuracy was ninety six point four three. So you're not even talking about his, his, his back passes. Do you know what I mean? His lateral side-to-side passes, 100% accuracy. And for me, that's really important because actually Lewis Monsmas was only 81% side-by-side and he played seven fewer passes. That's not to say that Lewis wasn't, you know, didn't do particularly well. I mean, his pass accuracy was 72%, which isn't the worst in the squad. Lewis's long passes were what let him down. I think he played eight by the looks of things through the course of the game at 33% accuracy. And that's 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 where it kind of fell down and in terms of long passes um that was actually the lowest accuracy on the field but i mean you know the answer anyway but i think people will be really surprised by this that one player stood out as having an, a really bad after a bad evening so the second lowest amount uh, the second lowest pass accuracy on the field was anthony scully with 70 percent and you expect players i think in forward areas to perhaps have lower than the defenders because mm-hmm. the defender might be knocking a 20 yard pass to liam bridcott ahead of him for instance whereas anthony scully when he gets the ball his next pass is going to be one that the opposition are going to contest, certainly in terms of forward passes. Um, yeah. And he, he, so, you know, and what I found really interesting was Haki Bedelican. Now, I thought Hakib looked really good in the first 10, 15 minutes. Right? I, I thought he, we did in general, to be fair. Well, yeah, we did as a whole, but he, I thought he looked really threatening and I thought that was mm-hmm. where we were going to get our luck. He played 43 um or he's got it says passes per 90 so it kind of scales it up i think so he played 20 odd passes his pass accuracy was 45 percent and his forward passes was 20 percent accuracy and that Mm. is just it's as low as i've seen and it's not a worry but when one player on one flank is doing that you're then kind of one dimensional on the other flank Mm. um and and so yeah, just it, it was it was it was poor, but we weren't I mean, as bad passing as people make out. No, I I think I think the thing is is that you you obviously you notice when there's a pass in the final third that doesn't quite find its mark because you're expecting to have that ball, you know that that somehow splits the defence or you know plays somebody in that that can then do something magical with it. And when it doesn't come off, you'll notice that a lot more than, you know, a cagey ball in midfield, for example, that doesn't necessarily go anywhere and, and, you know, cannons off somebody else. But I think you said we don't like scapegoats and we don't because, I, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to to pin an entire performance on one player. No, I'm about, um, to, I'm about to call some others out as well in a minute. Well, just just to kind of elaborate on it, I, you know, I know that people are going to point at the the comments from Michael. Um, I was I was one of the ones that did it on, on social media. You know, as soon as he said it, I thought, bloody hell, he's not pulling any punches there. Um, and he came out and he said, you know, well, Rob asked him, uh, was it was it a tactical or a, an, an injury decision? And he said, oh, it's tactical. He said, well, what happened? He said, well, it was poor. Talking about talking about Hakeem. And when that happens, like. I think what what a lot of people do is they they look at it and go, oh, you see, I'm justified in giving him shit. It's like, well, <laughs> not necessarily. Like, I know that there are people that are going to sit there and slate him, but we'll come on to it in a bit. But I thought he had a decent game on Saturday. I thought he's had, you know, some decent games on a, previously. And I genuinely think that the first, like you said, first 15, 20 minutes, I thought he was all right on, on Tuesday. But then it all seemed to go a bit wrong. But you, you know how it is. It's It's just... You get the people that 
have got an idea in the head of right i'm going to dislike this player and whether it's subconscious or not i don't know but i see a lot of i see a lot more comments about um adelican than i do about other players and that's I, I don't know whether it's because he makes, you know, or he's, he's misplaced passes in, in areas that will get noticed. But I think some of it has been unfair. But that's not me saying that he had a good game on Tuesday night over the, you know, over the course of the first half, because he didn't. He, you know, like you said, it's it's fairly, well, it's fairly obvious what happened after, you know, the first 15 minutes. But yeah, I, no, let's, I, let's, I just let's, think let's move it's... On for- Let's move on from Hakeem then. Let's talk about other players in the midfield that are perceived not to have had a bad game. And I think that's important. Let's move on to Lewis Fiorini. Now, he's 19 years old. He is only in his first season of um, senior English football. So I buy that. Um, He played seven forward passes in 90 minutes from midfield. Seven forward passes. And that is the, 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 the third fewest Anthony Scotty played four. You'd kind of expect that because of the whole attacker thing. Dan and Lundaloo only played two. You kind of expect that. But seven for a midfielder. Mm. I don't think that's good enough. And Lass Sorensen played 13, and he was only on for 66 minutes at the same level of accuracy. Let's look at Liam Bridcott, who played 24 forward passes, I think, over the 90 minutes at 65% accuracy. And that's only slightly better than Lewis Monsmer at 64. So we're talking here about a collective average performance. And even yeah. Regan Poole, I mean, Regan Poole was one of the players that you know, I spoke to my dad. I said, we thought he'd done really well. Yeah, 12 forward passes in the in the 90 minutes at 61% accuracy. Our forward pass accuracy was very, very poor. And while we're calling people out, we can give a kind of a round of applause, obviously, to TJ Ioma on 96. But actually, Fiorini and Sorensen were the next highest on 75. So you've got players like Ted Bishop. Okay, let's, and again, I'm, I'm not calling these players out because they're bad players. What I'm saying is we, we're happy to say it about Keeb and, and we're happy to take that for away from Michael as, as a collective fan base and go he wasn't good enough. Ted Bishop's forward pass accuracy was 44%. Mm. 44% only Scully and Hakeem had less than him and he was playing remember when he came on in a kind of an attacking midfield role yeah. and and he played more back passes pro rata for the minutes he was on than any other player on the field so what we're looking for in Ted Bishop was a George Grant alternative who's going to go boom spark and get us forward and actually what we got was more back passes per 90 minutes than we got from Anthony Scully who who's on the wing, who you'd expect to be laying the ball backwards. So fundamentally something broke down uh, against, um, against Morecambe. But uh, the worst thing is actually we could and should have won the game. XG, we actually had better XG than Morecambe did, albeit very, very slight, 0.63 to 0.59. We had more shots, 10 to their eight, although both of us had three on target. We had more possession, just you know yeah. i'm not going to say there for the grace of god yeah we could have won two no we could have won two no we didn't deserve to no um, we didn't deserve to win anything but no yeah we i were mean actually, i think, we I, I think I'm, I'm looking team. back i'm looking back at it and i'm thinking really the only chances that i can remember was hakeem going into the box quite early on um doing what he does and you know selling defenders <laughs> left right and center um then there was Dan uh, and Lundaloo's. He, he kind of, I think Morecambe's defence deserve a bit of praise for that. To be fair, because he, he he got the ball, and I think as he was, you know, as he was receiving the ball, the defender got in a really good spot to kind of force him, um, maybe a little bit wider than he would have wanted to be. Um, then by the time he got past the defender, the keeper made a really decent stop, um, and then the third one was. Um, uh, Fiorini shot which forced another cracking save so they were the only three moments where I thought oh you know something could happen here but yeah ultimately it didn't did it no I, again you know, the, there was the Fiorini effort which it was a it was a long stab forward wasn't it and it you know it was it was what we know that he can do yeah but it didn't lead to anything um, so you know I like, 
find it quite hard to to come away with anything too positive. I, just a, a minute ago, I think, just as, as we were kind of segueing badly over the top of each other, I said we were the better team. And I almost stand by that. I almost think that we were the better team in the attacking third, uh, but we did nothing with it. And and what was missing wasn't the final ball. It was the ball before the final ball. And there was just too many players, as I mentioned there, who didn't turn up. And mm. even the ones who you perceive to have turned up in, in Regan Poole and Liam Bridcott, I think were the two that people kind of went, yeah, they weren't bad. Some people thought Ted Bishop as well. Actually, it was just a collective bad performance. And even while we talk about TJ's passing defensively, um, you know, the defending on that last goal, on their second goal, was was. was Poor. poor yeah <laughs> yeah it was just poor so you know we we go on with 10 games in we still don't have a clean sheet um and and it wasn't great but you know it, it was the second result of the week wasn't it and it, it, the reason we've done it this way round is if you draw 2-2 by conceding two goals in the last two minutes you come away thinking well that was a bad result but if you draw 2-2 and you're the one that scored the two goals in the last two minutes you think it's a good result so yeah. if we'd lost on Saturday and then won at Morecambe we'd be feeling positive going into the weekend but we won on Saturday and lost on Tuesday so you know, there's that perception that actually we should feel negative about going into it and I'm not sure that's the case to be honest. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, you, you can put it down to, you know, a, a bad day, but I think Saturday was probably an example of a good day that that nearly gave us all a bit of a heart attack towards the end, didn't it? Um, it was a, it, it was a, an entertaining affair against Burton for sure. It was, and, and you know what? I know we've been a bit stat heavy, but as much as we talk about how bad our passing was on um, Saturday, on Tuesday, our passing was as good on against Burton and and that's what spins my head because against Burton Ted Bishop um 15 forward passes at 76% and and 85% accuracy Monsma 83% accuracy Fiorini 82% accuracy I still got a little bit of a concern about the midfield in theory and he was only played I think six forward passes over the course of the game and I think Ted Bishop was still playing it backwards so you know at the minute for me actually while we look at the midfield and the core of the midfield is where we we think we've got strengths it's not quite clicking as yet and I, I think that's evident from the stats but what you what the stats cannot legislate for is guts and, mm. and that's what we showed in the, in the final kind of 20 minutes or 15 minutes maybe even 10 minutes against Burton um, we controlled much of the, well, I say we controlled the game, we didn't, but we we controlled it in terms of the scoreline. It was end to end. It was frenetic. We could just have easily have lost that game two 0 um, mm. And and looking at the XG, actually, we were just as likely to lose that game two 0 as we were the Morecambe game. Um, so very different games. I actually think Burton were better than Morecambe, uh, mm. and I, I think you know it, it was the tougher game to come away and uh, with points from. But there was lots and lots of positives. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was. It, it almost plays into that stereotype of you play better against a better side. I think, you know, Burton set out and I think they wanted to get something out of the game and they, they were purposeful with it. Whereas I think Morecambe maybe it, it, that was potentially more down to us being a little bit sloppy. Um, but I mean, definitely from, from my point of view, like Saturday was, it, it was a really fun game to watch. And it, it, I mean, it could have been three all by half time. Um, it was that kind of a game. Uh, I I was, well, I was delighted that we came away with the win. Um, but it, it was towards the end of that. Um, it was towards the end of the second half when it, you know you can just feel it starting to turn a little bit. I mean, we've we've been there. We've we've been on the other side of it. Um, and it was yeah, it just made for a cracking game of football. Um, but can we talk about Fiorini's goal because? it was one of those moments when you think he's going to curl this in the top corner and the precision that he picked out that spot. And it just, the, the way that the ball dipped as it, you know, it went past the defender and went in stunning goal, absolutely stunning goal. Really, really impressed with, with how Fiorini's coming on um, at the moment. And I know we, we picked him out. Uh, I think one of the questions that we were asked on, on a you know preseason podcast was who do we think is going to make a big impact? And we said, well, we'd like to see what happens with, with Fiorini. Um, and he's, you know, if you take Tuesday out of the equation, he's, he's coming on leaps and bounds at the moment, isn't he? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was the worst player on the pitch on Tuesday. Oh, I think it was just that it was a really, you know, it wasn't a great game, no. full stop. Um, but I think he is improving game by game. He, you know, he's got three goals. It, he's fitting into a new pace of football. You know, the Dutch second division is very different to, to our third tier. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a player I really like. Yeah, I spoke really highly of him when I did the um, the Legends Lounge thing. I kind of said, they asked me who I thought the player of the season was. Uh, the, the signing of the pre-season, I said, I think Louis Fiorini will be. Um, and I stand by that. I still stand by that. I think he's got absolute quality. I think he needs to be braver in possession at times in the middle of the park, potentially, because I think he's got the skill to do it. But if you're if you see anyone um, in a Lincoln shirt lining up on the edge of the 18 yard area and, and believe you're going to score, it's going to be Luis Fiorini mm-hmm. because he is frightening in terms of his technique. Um, yeah. he has, you know, he, he's got a real element of class. Uh, he's the one you've picked out. I'm actually going to pick out Hakeem from Saturday. Because I think it's only fair kind of to balance things out. Absolutely, um, he had, yeah. He had, he had more shots uh, than any Lincoln player on the field. Um, I think they were I think they were all in the first half. I might be wrong. Um, but he, he was. He looked like he was on fire. He really did. He had uh, one that Fiorini, funnily enough, teed up for him and he, he volleyed over. Um, I think his XG was as high as it was was the third highest. I think he had 0.31 XG. But um, in terms of successful attacking actions, which is another Y Scout thing, he was nearly twice as many as anybody else in the, in a Lincoln shirt. Uh, mm. So he was un, I'm not going to say unplayable, but he was um, very very good on Saturday. And I think Luis Fiorini stood out. I think Dan Lundlu stood out. Uh, mm-hmm. And those who read my site will know that this morning I've put out a, a comparison between the two number nines, Dan and Tom Hopper, obviously, because Burton showed me something quite interesting. OK, we talk about our setup and we talk about wanting a new striker or people talk about we need to replace, not replace Tom. We need a different offering to Tom. And then the counter argument is, well, we play a certain way. If we bring somebody else in, they'll have to do what Tom does. And Tom does what he does well. So you know, we're not going to replace him with another striker. So I thought, well, surely, therefore, Dan and Lunderloo's things like his, his shots will be comparable to Tom's because he'll be doing the work outside the area, but actually he's a much more attack minded number nine. And I, I think we've seen that. I think we saw it on Saturday uh, when he hit the post. I think we saw it on Tuesday when obviously he had a decent effort. He missed a cracking effort against Man United kids um, where he should have scored. It was harder to score. Yeah. I'm confident when this boy gets one, he'll get five or six. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, yeah. it's. A, I think it's potentially a confidence thing. Yeah, I do as well. And I, I think if it was Cole Stockton going through on our defence, as Dan did, I think he scores because he's in a rich vein of form. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I do, I think. And you've got to you've got to remember Dan and Underloo's only 22. You know, yeah. he's, he's he's still a boy. Um, I mean, to be fair, he's older than TJ Omer and Lass Sorensen and Josh Griffiths and Lewis Fiorini and uh, <laughs> same age as Anthony Scully and only a year younger than Lewis Monsmer and, you know, he's only two years younger than Ted Bishop and Akiva Delican. So, uh, <laughs> or three years rather. So, do you know what I mean? But he is, he's still a youngster. But yeah. I, he took a battering after Morecambe saying he's not good enough. And it's so, so easy uh, to criticise a player after one game. And that, yeah. I thought he put a really good shift in against Burton. I thought the team did. Look, we're lacking. We're lacking in spark in the midfield. We're lacking, and I get sick of hearing it, but we're lacking a George Grant pass or we're lacking a Brennan Johnson run. We haven't got that at the minute. Uh, And it's why we often look quite toothless because... We just, yeah. you know, we, we don't have that moment of genius. And, you know, everybody likes to say, or the, the critics like to say after the game, well, the players we've signed aren't as good as the ones we've got rid of. Well, it's because we got rid of a, a player that on the open market should have fetched 750 grand in George Grant, but didn't. And we've got rid of two players who were loaned to us who were probably valued at five to 10 million by their clubs. Brennan Johnson scored for Forest the other night and got an assist. Where, yeah. where does a club in the lower half of the budget table in League One conjure a player like that up for i tell you where they do it they do it by waiting to the last minute at deadline day and putting all their eggs in one basket it worked with brennan johnson we waited and waited and we got him it didn't work this season and that's why it will be we're going to see results like this and we're going to have conversations like this ben between yeah. now and january 
yeah, it absolutely. won't improve. Lincoln aren't going to go on a six or seven match winning streak. Ain't going to happen. January comes in. Michael's got at least two lined up, he said, for the first week of January. He will yep. not wait. He won't have it. And yep. I think then we kick on. Well, I, you know, I think the thing is, when you say, you know, we're, we're waiting until January to to kind of to, to kick on, I think the difference there is that some people are going to see that as a, as a massive negative step or, you know, a backwards step. And you think, well, what else can we do? We, we'll, we will do the best that we can until that point. But, you know, our hands are tied. We can't bring players in at the moment. And when we've got, you know, the situation that we have with injuries and, and, and you know, the, the squad that we have, it's, Michael said it's a transition season. And some people reacted very negatively to that. Like, I don't know what else there is to say about this season at this point in time. Because, you know, we've we've seen what's happening in League One. We've seen the amount of money that's being spent. And we're not in a position to be able to do that without risking the future of the club. You know, people have said that that's not going to happen. De- Devil's so advocate. What, what do we do? Devil's advocate. If the deadline day had gone how it should have gone, we're a better team than we are now. So we, it's not purely about budget. It's not purely about that. It's about the fact that we didn't have the deadline day that we wanted to have. Oh, yeah. You know I, that. I, I know that. that Everyone at the club knows that. Yeah. And we, we should be in a position right now where we're going into games with. And I think Michael wanted two more bodies. We we talked about um, Morgan Whitaker. You know, we, we talked unofficially about other players that we were kind of linked with. Marvin Johnson was one. Um, the boy uh, Philemon Bodice, I think his name is from Villa, is another, who we were linked quite heavily with. Uh, we were linked with, was it um, oh, the boy from Everton who was at Blackpool? Ellis Sims. And then he said, yeah. Ellis Remy, he was the guy we signed on the Keith Alexander. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't he? You know, we were linked with a lot of players. And I, I think the Sims links were probably tenuous because I think Dan Onondalu is meant to be our Ellis Sims. But you know, the fact is, you know, we, we, we're going to lose games. And we'll, we'll segue late in a minute into Plymouth Argyle coming up. It's a game I don't think we'll win. That's my honest, honest opinion. Uh, and they do things a bit differently. Their budget ain't going to be a huge amount different to ours. They're going into the season with a small quad squad. But they have a different model. You know, they're not going for the younger players who have got to develop. They do buy some more established players and um, they've got one or two come through of their own. And and it's going to be a challenge. But, um, you know, it it is what it is. I think Lincoln City will always be in transition because mm-hmm. I think the way that we want to do our business will mean that we will always have young players who are coming through, who we're waiting to hit their form. And when they hit their form, they move on. You know, Scully's one who's obviously getting a lot of attention at the moment. So I think that we will always be in a degree of transition. I think the key is getting the the deadline right. And and somebody pointed out earlier, you know, it's all right saying that we can't bring anybody into the squad right now. Um, but we knew that over the transfer window. And unfortunately, the nature of the transfer window um, means that if you don't get it bob on, you, you have to kind of suffer the consequences. And yeah. whether we were let down, whether we people think we should have had plan B's and we should have done this and we should have done that. It's really easy to say that when you do it on football manager. And if it goes wrong, you can just load up your previous save and try again. But, you know, there ain't no second saves. No. And um, I think that's the thing when, you know, obviously just going back a couple of weeks when we spoke to Liam and he, he said, you know, the big problem is that if you start having plan B's and then you, you know, you welch on those deals, you suddenly get a reputation as a club that aren't reliable. Um, yeah. And that that then puts the club at risk further down the line again. So, you know, what what do you do? Do you either string a couple of players along for one transfer window, hope that something comes off and maybe one of them comes on board? Or do you do things what I would perceive to be the right way and have, you know, focus on something that, that gets to a point and you think, right, OK, we're in this now and it looks like everything's going to be going through. But ultimately you get shafted by a club in Wales. It's, you know, what happens? But anyway, you know, moving moving back to the Burton game, I think... I was going to say, we were meant to be doing this positive, yeah. weren't we? And Burton has <laughs> just led us down on negative things. <laughs> no, I, I don't even at all. Um, but, you know, moving back to moving back to the Burton game, I think it was... Um, it, it was a solid performance with the minor exception of Anthony Scully hitting the post from six yards out, uh, six inches out, sorry. And, um, and Remy Longdon appearing to be playing eFootball 2022 when he walked, ran into the edge of the box 
Uh, you had to get that in, didn't you? I did, because eFootball 2022 is shite. I do games. I do do games. I do games. I've seen this game. Gary, it's out. Games. It's out now and it's free. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I'm a, I'm a clunge. <laughs> and that's not me making you. That's referring to myself. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, that's the thing. It's out now and it's just crap. But anyway... Um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it was a, it was one of those moments when you can see it happening that we'll miss two chances that are absolute guilt-edged, and then Burton will go on to win the game. But that's yeah, that's what I thought. Sorry, that's what I thought. That's what I thought would happen when yeah. Scully hit the post. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was genuinely one of those moments because it, it felt to me a bit like how it felt at. Um, at Sunderland when we were in the in the playoffs and you know George Grant missed that penalty I think we both had that sinking feeling of oh Christ here we go they're going to get a lift from this but we came away from it with the win or well we came away from it with the result we wanted Um, and I think that you know Michael said it after the game I think it showed the character in the squad Um, and Josh Griffiths I I said on Saturday does anybody want to hold hold their hands up and say that they were wrong about Josh Griffiths? And I've got a lot of you know I've got a lot of stick back from people saying, "Oh well, I wasn't wrong. He was crap." I'm like, "Yeah, but there's a difference between saying that a player had had a bad game or two, or had had a difficult start, and saying that he was a bad goalkeeper." And I think my my frustration was that people were you know calling him out and saying he was a bad goalkeeper during those first few games when you don't get to be an England under twenty one goalkeeper by being a bad goalkeeper. And I think that, you know, the past few games have shown really that he's he's going to be worth his weight in gold and he's going to get us a lot more points than he, he, he loses us this season. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he had a crack in second half. Um, and the, the last, the, the fact that the last action of the game that you see when the referee's whistle goes is that Josh Griffiths is on the ground clutching that ball like his life depends on it as about four Lincoln defenders just crowd him and, you know, well, get something that you probably wouldn't want to see on a uh, well, on a movie, shall we say, if you if you were caught downloading it, um, yeah, just brilliant, brilliant uh, final minutes for him. Yeah, I, know, I don't, I don't know what to add. You know, he's no. got three man, three man of the matches from the Stacey West readers over the course of um, month, and he's almost certain to be player of the month. Definitely, definitely, you know, his saves were as good as uh, was as good as any of the goals. So, yeah, that, you know, it was a great result against Burton. I felt really energised and positive. I felt absolutely convinced we'd go into Morecambe and win that game. I, I was. I just sat down. I was absolutely convinced. And I think that's why I feel that I've had a bit of a, a kick. Um, and, and the league table doesn't help. I don't like looking at the league table and seeing Lincoln and the relegation zone close together. But, you know, if we're still there in 25 games, then I'll be getting squeaky bum. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's let's you know talk about it briefly. I know a lot of people say that the, the table starts to take shape after ten games, um, and you you mentioned it. You've obviously done the post about it as well. Um, yeah, well, my article. Did you read it? Yes. Yeah. No. No, I didn't. No. Well, hang on. No, I've. I, yes, I have, but I also haven't. I've got it up in front of me, basically. <laughs> so you're reading it now? Uh, yeah. No, Gary Paul. Um, wrote that just to give an idea of how okay. things change so um, i don't want to talk about table because i don't at the minute there's no point i, I said it all last season you know nobody's promoted or relegated in um in uh in in after 10 games no i mean no, nobody wins the league by christmas either so you know no. it's uh yeah it's always a bit of a false indication at this point but you know let's let's just keep keep at it and you know without well, meaning to choice. use a cliche let's just keep yeah. faith we haven't got a choice are we? I mean, you know, no the games so, keep coming and, and they don't stop coming as no, smash mouth once said the only reason i look at the table is to see the teams that i think are worse than us and can be below us at the end of the season and i i, I know full well that there are eight teams at least in this division um that i think that we are better than at the moment mm-hmm. uh, i think there are eight eight or nine teams that we, we will almost certainly finish above uh, if we don't have any more injuries and if one or two of the players that we do have injured come back. So I'm not panicking about a relegation battle as some people are. Um, I won't say the words about um, 
Uh, I'll say them just this once. Uh, a long, hard season. Oh, man. That, that <laughs> and, and the thing is, nobody was saying it was a long, hard season when we beat Burton, were they? Or when we stuffed Cambridge 5-1. You didn't get them coming out of the woodwork. And then you have one game where you don't create anything and it's a long, hard season. And I tell you something, those people are going to be coming out of the woodwork after Saturday, I'm afraid, because everything yeah. points to another very frustrating game for Lincoln City. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's move on to it because it's... Um... Uh, I'm not sure how far we are in now into the pod. We are 43 minutes in, so we should probably get on to the weekend's game. Um, yeah, Plymouth seem to be on a, a decent run of form at the minute. Um, obviously, beating Sheffield Wednesday. Drew against Plymouth. Uh, no, they are Plymouth. They drew against Portsmouth. That was the team I was looking for. Um, I mean, they beat Doncaster, but... Sorry. <laughs> It's been a long day. Uh, Drew against, uh, sorry, beat Doncaster, but at the minute everybody seems to be uh, beating Doncaster. So, yeah, I'm not confident. Um, I'm not going to lie, especially after, you know, especially after Tuesday. But I don't think it's going to be in our nature to retreat into our shells after a bad game. Um, I think... Michael is going to put some sort of rocket up some sort of arse um, before Saturday's game. And I don't think he's going to allow another performance like that. Um, do, do we want to, you know, do you want to speculate on who we might see dropped or start depending on? I Not really. I want to preview Plymouth first. Well, we, that is partly previewing Plymouth, Gary. Okay. Well, go on then. You, you do your little bit. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm asking a question. Do you think he'll stick with Hakeem is is a question that I'm kind of getting to in a roundabout way. Don't know. Honest honest answer, don't know. I really don't. I don't see what the options are at the minute. Um, I don't fancy a, a Sorensen or Fiorini or, or, or Ted Bishop as an out-and-out right winger. Um, we're going to have to... Um, we can overload their wing-backs because they, they play a, a 3-5-2. So... I'm not so sure. I, I think it's a game for Hakeem. I think that if he were to drop him to the bench now, um, it would be a huge confident dent. I think we've proven that against Burton Albion, Hakeem is a very good player. I think that taking him off is punishment enough. It's not like Chris Maguire is going to come in on the right wing. It's not like we've got anyone really to replace him. Mm-hmm. Honest, honest answer. I there's not a lot of options throughout the squad. No. There really isn't. It's, you know, he either plays Bramwell or Robson at left back. Right back is secure. He might bring Jackson back in, but I can't personally see it. I think he'll stick with Aoma and Monsma. In the midfield, it's it's three from four. He plays Bridcut, probably plays Fiorini, and then it's either Bishop or Sorensen, most likely Bishop. You know, and Lundaloo plays, no choice. Scully plays, no real choice. Um, and... Key plays. The only thing he might do is play Jamie Robson at left back, Cohen Bramble on the left wing, shuffle Schiffel Scully out onto the right wing, and then drop Hakeem. That's the only way he could do it. But options are just so limited. Yeah. No, I I I, I can't disagree with it. I think it's uh, yeah. Sadly, still um, a lot being dictated by injury at the minute. But uh, well, we're, we're operating with eleven players, and, and what's that? Three alternatives. Yeah. Bramall, let let's say it's it's, it's Sorensen that drops Bramall Sorensen, um, and who was the other one? Jackson, Adam Jackson. That's what we're operating with. We're operating really with a squad of fourteen players, and that's no disrespect to Remy, and it's no disrespect to the Osin Gallagher's or Oisin Gallagher or whatever his name is, who, who, the young kid. Um, when I say whatever his name is, yeah, I mean I know he's called Gallagher, and I know it's O I S O N or O I S I N. I just don't know how to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> I think it's Osh, like Oshin. 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 So, you know, those are the sorts of players that fill the bench but are not likely to get a run out. We're, we're operating on a squad of, of 14 players at the minute and you know, none of them are attacking, are they? Las no. Sorensen's a midfielder, Cohen Bramall and, and Adam Jackson are defenders. So there isn't any real serious options unless he starts getting incredibly creative and changing the formation. And he ain't going to do that because we play a pattern and we play a, a specific way. No, absolutely. So, okay. So, tell me about Plymouth because I know you want to. I know you're itching to. Well, no. I mean, you picked up on their form, and yeah, whilst it's impressive, dare I say that they haven't really played anybody yet? Um, no, they lost no, to Rotherham on the opening day. 
There are other games. Gillingham, you know, average, but at best. Cambridge, relegation fodder, possibly. Shrewsbury, relegation fodder. Fleetwood, Wimbledon, Doncaster, Crew. Do you know what I mean? These are teams that if we had got those, you look at that, we've beaten Cambridge, we've beaten Doncaster, we've drawn with uh Gillingham would beat and Fleetwood okay they beat Sheffield Wednesday it's a good result I had a Sheffield Wednesday fan um really good mate of mine Chris messaged me earlier and say Plymouth best team I've seen blah 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 drew with Portsmouth you know everyone's getting points from them at the minute their their form looks very very good and the thing is when you're beating teams like that it does reflect very well on you and and you can kind of use it as a springboard but I you know I, I look down there and I don't see the Boltons who have done very well. Rotherham, they've played they that big test. They got beat. You know, you look at, think about teams like Wigan, you think about teams like Sunderland, still think about Ipswich. I don't care what anyone says. They proved uh, on Tuesday night, they're a team that are going to be right up there. You know, mm-hmm. they haven't played the Ipswiches of this division. So even, even teams like Oxford and Charlton and Wick, uh, Wickham and, and, and MK Dons who have spent well, I, I I don't see that they've played those types of players yet, teams yet. And my gut feeling is that in 25 games, Plymouth Argyle will not be in the top six. Um, and, and you know, Plymouth fans, if you're listening, and I'm sure you'd not because you've probably got your own podcast. I make no apology for that. I think you've had a great start to the season. You might be Lincoln City of 12 months ago, very possibly. Um, but I personally don't don't think you are. Uh, cruel as, as that may sound. They do play a 3-5-2, uh, and that means, I'm afraid, Lincoln City fans, a lack of chances. Because when we come up against a team with 3-5-2, and I think Bolton played it the other week, you've got one centre-forward who's battling, usually against at least two centre-backs. Um, you've got our wingers and our full-backs are usually trying to keep uh, their, their kind of attacking players tied up. It could be a, an afternoon of... Michael says it's going to be an open game with lots of nice football. We know Plymouth play that. I don't think they're going to be an awful lot of chances. Um, key players for them. Uh, well, I'd really like Jordan Houghton. I've talked about him before. He was at MK Dons. He was a free agent in the summer. He plays just at the holding position for them in the same that Liam Bridcott does for us. Really like him. Uh, the central, the other two attacking central midfielders that they play kind of, you know, like we play Fiorini and Bishop. They've got Ryan Broom uh, and Panucci Camera. Camera is uh, an absolute menace. Uh, usually, I think he's put, we've seen him on the wing, particularly for Crawley in the past. Really like him. Good on the ball. Real, real trouble player. Ryan Broom smashed it, I think, for Cheltenham a couple of years ago. Got a big money move to Peterborough, flopped. Um, and, and and he's a player I quite admire. I think Connor Grant's injured, uh, but he's another one who had done very well for them. But he went off injured with a hamstring injury on, on Tuesday night, I think. So he might not be uh, playing. And a familiar face on the right side of their defence is James Wilson obviously who we had he also went off injured and might not play we talk about their strike force luke jeffcott and ryan hardy i think luke jeffcott had a great kind of spell at one point last season and scored loads and loads of goals and that kind of i think they they slowed towards the end of last season but he's already got five this season uh four in four games as well um coming out of august but, but only scored one since um since august 21st so They've got a threat, uh, without a doubt. We know how they're going to play football. There ain't going to be a lot of aerial duels in this one, um, rest assured. Uh, And all I'd say again is also, you know how I love my XG. You know how I love talking how teams are outperforming or underperforming. Well, actually, Plymouth have scored more goals than their XG suggests they should. So they're outperforming that and they're outperforming their defensive as well. So they should concede 1.58 per game and they've only conceded one per game. Actually, they're a team that I think are poised. And I've said it, I've used this word already in the podcast on a precipice in that they have to get that kind of conceded XG down because if they keep conceding those chances, eventually their luck will run out, whereas they're actually scoring more than they should as well. So it's a dangerous combination. However, um, if I can just also play kind of devil's advocate with myself on that, which is ridiculous, (laughs) uh, we're also the same because we have scored 1.54 from XG of 1.33. So we're outperforming our XG uh, and opponents score 1.3 past us when actually they should score 1.5 past us, which I think is down probably to Josh Griffiths. So um, two teams who are at opposite ends of the table, but I do not think 
are a million miles away from each other in terms of quality. Uh, I think we've got the injuries, they've got their attacking players fit, uh, but I don't think there's an awful lot between the two teams. And I think you can look at a league table and say it'll be a difficult game. I think it will be. I don't think we'll win it, but I don't think that this is kind of a, a top versus bottom clash. No, I, I, I think after your, you know, your explanations, I think that's probably a fair shout. So, still not, still not confident, but you know, we'll see what happens. Would you, would you be confident if we'd lost to Morecambe on Saturday and beaten Burton on Tuesday? Would you be more confident? Potentially, because like you say, it's always nicer to go into a game having won a game. It is, and look at it this way: we have won our one one and lost one. Uh, so we've got uh, three points. They've they've only won one and drawn one, and they played two games at home. We've just played two games away. So technically, yeah, you know, they are on a good run. There's no doubt in that. But I'd like to think if our last well, one, <laughs> I was going to say, I'd like to think if our last two games were Doncaster and Crew, we would have four points. But you know, we've just played Burton and Morecambe, and we haven't got four points. So maybe I'm just being an arse. <laughs> That's not like you at all, Gas. I know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there we go. Uh, I think I, I just think it's going to be a very interesting, uh, very interesting weekend. Um, so we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that one. But before we go, we obviously have a couple of other bits to talk about, uh, including the uh, the Stacey West mega raffle. I believe you christened it on the uh, on the post. Um, I I have absolutely been blown away by the support for this. It is absolutely ridiculous. We put the we put the raffle out on Friday last week, and by Monday lunchtime, I believe uh, we'd cleared a thousand pounds on it. Which uh, I mean, I, I had to put a tweet out because I said you do realise that the prize is is you know the, the the big prize is sitting in the box with me and Gaz, and you're going to have to put up with us for you know the entire game. Um, but that seemingly hasn't put people off. You know, I've not had any requests to retract any donations or anything like that they, they haven't won yet well that <laughs> once a win might put it back in and, okay, okay, <laughs> no but uh, honestly thank you to everybody that's um that's chipped in so far it is uh just a ridiculous amount of support and it's um yeah it's it's not gone it's not gone unnoticed at all has it no it hasn't it's absolutely phenomenal i think that goes across the whole um uh, the whole uh, promotion that, that, yeah. that we've been pushing, not just the the raffle, but um, through Vital Lincoln City as well. I think that there's been um, been such great great buy-in. Lisa have, have put some prizes in for us as well, Burton Road Chippy and and everybody that's kind of been been chipping in, so to speak. Um, and I mean, we're even adding another prize. There's a, the one of the Stonemason imp plaques, you know, the classic badge from the late 80s is being added to the list as well, which um, which is oh, another wow. prize, another reason to to go for it. So yeah, yeah, we do doing very very well. Please do um, continue to snap up those tickets and uh, and and look forward then potentially to a day in the box with me and Ben and Boxing Day, which is ironic, a box on Boxing Day. Um, <laughs> but lots of other good prizes. I, I can't remember if on air last week we'd had the Lisa signed shirt and silver bracelet or not, but Lisa of donated those so we've got two signed shirts and we? we've got three signed programs from vitals we've got um we've got the bits that me and you have chucked in so mm. yeah exciting stuff obviously we've still got the the, the chip shop night coming up in uh, october so burton road chippy on monday the 18th as well which you can pop along to that and all the profits go to the development fund and there's also a signed shirt on ebay Yes. Uh, if you search 2016-17 Lincoln City squad signed home shirt, uh, that's been donated to Vital Lincoln City and it's been put on. Uh, it's the seller. I don't know where you find the seller. I just wanted to make sure that you, you got the right one. I think it's VLC Auctions, is it? Is it on VLC Auctions? I don't know. how do you I know what so, I yeah. see based so uh, so rarely that I don't actually know where to find the seller on there. I've got it on my screen at the minute. Um, so as we're recording this, there's six days left. There will be five days left by the time um, by the time you it comes to to finish. Uh, and for those that use eBay numbers, and I'm sure nobody does, um, but it's when 22, 46, 24, 48, 31, 62. So that's the eBay item number. Oh, VLC auctions. I've seen it now. It's over to the right hand side. <laughs> there it is. 
yeah so i mean yeah just just get involved if you you know if you want to if you want to try your look on a, a 2016-17 shirt, then by all means go for that. And uh, you know, I, I hope that raises quite a bit. I mean, I know there's been quite a lot of people watching it, myself included. So it's going to be uh, hopefully raise a few quid there. We're obviously at a point now where we're at this moment in time, as of reading, 11:55. So over a grand. I wanted to say very quickly that. Um, when I set the the fund up, there is a very slight charge on everything that comes through PayPal. So I'll make you know all transparency and everything. I'll put the screenshots up of everything that comes in, but it's not going to be exactly that amount that goes back to the club. But we will do as much as we possibly can to ensure that we get as close to it as as we can do. Um, but yeah, like it's just a phenomenal amount of support, and hopefully uh, we can you know we can get as much as we can and uh, and stick that back into the Safety West stand and get that redeveloped over the summer. And obviously the, the other uh, thing that I wanted to mention independently and I've deliberately left it to the end uh, is Chris Ray. So his final total from Imp Tunes uh, has gone into the pot. That was £760.42, pence, which Vital Lincoln City then matched. Um, Cracking stuff. Yeah, so over 1,500 quid between Imptoons and Vital Lincoln City going in as well. And obviously Chris uh, Imptoons has donated a prize, which I think is a bespoke cartoon. Yes. Um, uh, is it his... a player of your choice or could you like have yourself done? Um, let me just pull up the message because he messaged me after the podcast last week and said, do, 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 do you want Imptoons prize for the raffle? I said, what would you be thinking? He said, no idea, but... If you want something, I'll have a think. Maybe a your choice of player caricature, and I said that sounds grand. So, cool. your place, your your place, your choice of player, um, doodled in Chris's inimitable style, um, is a prize that you can win in our raffle. So hopefully, you know, get involved and hopefully you'll come away with something. Superb, yeah, great work to everybody. Very very exciting, very exciting stuff. Uh, I also just wanted to talk about the um, British Heart Foundation yep. uh, game, if I may. Uh, so the uh, obviously it's, it's driven by Gary Burr, but it's an ex-Lincoln City side uh, playing against the British Heart Foundation team. Uh, lots of names have been uh, signing up for it, haven't they? So I think I've seen Paul Morgan um, mm-hmm. is one of the players that's... Uh, uh, that signed up for it. I think I've seen Jason Lee, Tony Lorm is going to be there. Uh, and they're playing for, I think they call it the, it's the Pete Boyd Burr Memorial Cup, which was, was Gary's dad. Mm-hmm. Um, three pounds for adults under 16s are free. That's on the 17th of October. So that's a busy three days because uh, the 17th of October, it's at Lincoln Moreland's Railway. You've got the Pete Burr Memorial Cup. Um, it's with the, with the IMS former players association, some great names going there. The 18th, you're up to, to, Burton Chiborough Chippy, where you can get your fish and chips, and that comes straight into the Stacey West Fund. And then on the 19th, I think we play Wimbledon at home. Yep. So um, busy, busy, busy. But uh, I'll just see who else they've got on there. And I have been following it. Mazza can't play, but he's going to be down there, I've heard. Okay. Uh, yeah, Mazza can't play. I can't find the graphic now. There's a, there was a graphic with them all on it, wasn't there? I know. Um, yeah, I can't. Find oh, there we go. So we've got Paul Mayo, Gavin Gordon, Paul Morgan, Jason Lee, Mr. Yeo, Danny Hone. Uh, they're the ones that have uh, confirmed at the moment. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd just be down there for Paul Morgan. No disrespect to the others. Love Paul Morgan. What a player he was. Absolutely. What a player he was. So, there we go. So I don't think there's anything else. I think we've got everything covered there. Um Done the shirt, done the games, done the plug-in. I think we're all good, aren't we? I think we're all good. Uh, actually, just very quickly, literally just been tweeted out. So Vital Links have just tweeted out our joint venture with Stacey West, Imptoons, Lady Imps and Burton Road Chippy to raise money for the Stacey West stand has so far raised £5,520.84. Absolutely so, um, banging. Yeah, that's great. Super, Super stuff. Yeah, great. Right. Well, if that's it, I think uh, we will probably bid you adieu for the week and hopefully see you at the ground on Saturday. But if not, as ever, up the imps. Yeah, up the imps.
90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.